Hello, welcome to Philosophy Gets Schooled. I'm Simon Kirchin, a philosopher based at the University of Kent. I'm also director of the British Philosophical Association. Um, this is a short episode, a summary episode, on three topics, abortion, euthanasia and simulated killing. Um, out there in the Philosophy Gets Schools series, there's a longer in-depth discussion of these three topics, where I'm talking with three teachers, Dan McKee, Michael Platt, and Beth McIntosh, uh, about all three topics. So check out that in-depth episode. But we're gonna use this episode just to highlight some of the things uh, that we discussed in that longer episode and highlight things in the topic themselves. Um, one thing we say in the longer episode, and I'll say here, obviously with uh, some of these topics, particularly abortion, euthanasia, um, they are quite sensitive topics. Uh, and if you're a student who's studying these topics, uh, but it's affected you uh, in, in your lives, you know, outside your study, then um, obviously go and talk to teacher or someone else you trust. Um, and we do try to deal with the topics sensitively um, in the in-depth episode, as I'll do, and as I'll do here. Um, but obviously, we, we we do discuss them um, in detail. Okay, so we put these three topics together because we think there are some interesting links between them, um, and uh, there are some links in some of the specifications. So Edexcel Religious Studies talks about both abortion and euthanasia in in the spec. Um, OCR Religious Studies. Um, talks just about abortion, and they're obviously both in the applied ethics sections of their respective specifications. Uh, the AQA philosophy specification doesn't talk about abortion euthanasia, but it does have um, this interesting category called simulated killing, which is around fictionalized killing in video games, in novels, and plays. And we thought we'd bring that into this episode just as an interesting contrast uh, relating to the other two. Okay, so let's just talk through some of the topics that we talk about in the in-depth episode and which are in the uh, topics in general. And as I often say, um, if you want to know more about these topics in general, two great resources out there for you to read are the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy and the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, both of which are on the internet. And they'll have entries on abortion, euthanasia, killing and letting die, personhood and other topics uh, that we cover. Okay, so in part one, we talk about abortion, but we start with um, the topic of personhood. Uh, you might often hear this word, person, um, and often you might hear it um, pluralized in, in an odd way. So people, rather than talk about people, they talk about persons, um, just to emphasize. So the idea of personhood is trying to get a sense of what it is that makes someone a holder of moral status. I suppose that's a way of putting it. And there might be a range of various possible criteria that turn something that has them into a person, that is a holder of moral status. Um, and any one of these criteria might do the job. Um, you might have a very complicated account that um, combines them. Uh, but here is uh, a typical list. There might be some others as well. So first of all, people think about various biological conditions that have to hold for someone to be a person. And that um, might be something to do with brain activity or heart activity. It might have something to do with being able to breathe on one's own, to digest on one's own, something, something like that. So the next criterion is something broadly 
psychological and perhaps there's not just brain activity but mental activity perhaps you're sentient in some way that you're experiencing the world in a certain sort of way and you can perhaps feel pain or feel pleasure or at least basic pains and basic pleasures and then we move on from the psychological to think about another criterion something that might be described as rationality or consciousness or even self-consciousness so uh, when we talk about someone being self-conscious, they're not just uh, conscious of the world around them, as perhaps my cat might be, but they're self-conscious. They're aware that they're aware of the world around them. So perhaps they're not just feeling pain, but they're aware that they're feeling pain. With rationality, you've got a different type of idea. You've got the ability to make plans and perhaps know that you're making plans and reason about them and justify them, at least to yourself, in a very basic way if not to other people. Then there's a different kind of uh, group of ideas, group of conditions around social connection. So being part of a social network, having fellow feeling with other uh, people or things, um, and those people also regarding you as a, as a person. So of course you could have, very, as I say, a very complicated account that accommodated all of these conditions or many of them, or you may just go for one type of condition, one type of criterion. Um, but thinking through these various uh, criteria is very important because it forms the basis for lots of applied ethic issues, not just abortion euthanasia, but some others as well. So, for example, just to throw it in, animal rights. So let's say we want we, we, we think, as many people do, think that the great apes or dolphins or whales should have moral rights and perhaps as some people say some of these creatures should have the same moral status and the same moral legal uh, standing as human beings well, in which case what criteria uh, are we going to go with from the list that i've just read out um but this does matter also for abortion and indeed as one person says i think in our discussion personal is really important because it's basically trying to work out whether you're in or whether you're out when it comes to abortion, um, personhood can often dominate, but there's some other discussions to be had as well. So as we know, in the in the very difficult issue of abortion, it's difficult and complicated, uh, politically heated uh, in many countries at the moment. Um, uh, and there's lots of things to, to sort through, not least because if one's ever involved in that personal decision, uh, about abortion, it can be a very, very difficult, trying, stressful, emotionally charged uh, experience. And one has to be thinking about uh, what one does with one's body or, or someone who wants, who someone's body who's one, who one is close to. Um, and then the uh, child or the fetus or the zygote that one is carrying. And I mention those words fetus and zygote because as we know, <clears throat> abortion is about development. I mean, that's that's uncontroversial. And so the interesting issue, to boil it down to a kind of moral issue, is at what stage of development does this thing, what was a bunch of cells, is now growing into a potential human being and is going to be perhaps carried to term if things go well and become a human being, at what stage in development does this um, thing, to speak, uh, as neutrally as possible, have moral status and can be considered to be a person. And of course, there are all sorts of um, uh, medical and legal um, ideas around that, 
which relates to the law of any particular country about when a, a abortion can legally be carried out. But there are so many other things going on as well. Uh, a point we make very clearly in the in the discussion, and which actually doesn't come out uh, well enough, I think, in, in many political discussions, is this. You can um, think that, um, let's say, a fetus at a certain number of weeks is a person. Perhaps it, 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 it answers to one or more of the, of the criteria I've just uh, been discussing. But there's still another interesting discussion about whether abortion is morally permitted or not. It might be permitted even if uh, the fetus is uh, an abortion. And, and why might that be? Well, just think that in, in our lives, um, there's all sorts of um, killings or deaths um, that are legally permitted, even though someone is an abortion, is, um, is a person. So, for example, we have, uh, this is a very different type of case, of course, but we have all sorts of situations where someone is defending themselves from harm and ends up injuring and perhaps even killing uh, their aggressor. Um, depending on the facts of the case, uh, we might well say that that was a justified killing. Um, and even if the aggressor is considered by everyone, in fact, it's not even questioned whether that person is in fact a moral moral person that has moral and legal status. Um, so there's still an interesting issue, even if we grant uh, a fetus uh, personhood about whether abortion can be morally permitted. And in fact, another point we make in the in-depth discussion, which I haven't emphasised so much already, there are in fact at least two people in this situation. There's both um, the fetus or the zygote, and of course there's the mother. And it's uh, something we can all agree on, um, that when we're thinking about the issue of parenthood and motherhood and abortion, we've got two people there and the fetus is dependent upon the mother. And it raises interesting questions there around um, the choices that uh, a mother might have and what the state and what a group of people might allow mothers uh, to have. Um, and of course, there are plenty of cases where um, the fetus may, may injure and harm the mother's own health. In fact, there are some cases where uh, it can threaten the mother's life. Uh, and these need to be thought through, uh, as do, of course, the conditions by which um, the uh, woman became pregnant in the, in the first place. Um, and those are also very important issues and pertain to the issue and legality of abortion uh, up to a certain number of, of weeks. And indeed, we get on to discuss um, something I've referred to a couple of times, but now we'll discuss in more detail. That's the political issue, because as well as this being a moral issue and thinking about um, the moral status of um, uh, zygote or, or a fetus and the moral choices that a mother is allowed to make and can make and should make we've got the political issue of what the state is saying or what other groups are saying and whether they can dictate um, uh, what happens what, what what the choices the mother makes um, and i think it's i mean we, we're very used to the idea that any state can make some laws around what happens to its citizens um, and about what happens to its citizens health and and their lives um, but on this particular particular issue, um, it's got particularly charged because, uh, as we know, in some countries, some people see uh, that um, from um, contraception, uh, we have something which has moral status and strong moral status, and that may uh, mean that abortion is, is not legally permitted at all. Other states, uh, countries take different 
views. And so there's an interesting is issue here about the extent to which people have private rights to do with, um, uh, so they have um, rights uh, within the private sphere to determine what happens to them and their, or their own health and what a state can um, uh, publicly uh, say what laws it can uh, put down, what it can legislate for, what happens in citizens' lives. So there's all sorts of things going on here in the realm of abortion. And lots of things that we cover in the in-depth episode, lots of things, in fact, that we, we can't possibly cover, but um, we're just using it to both in the in-depth episode, but particularly in the summary episode, just highlight a number of the issues, big issues that are, that are going on. So just to summarise, there's various criteria that one might have for anything being uh, seen to be a person, that is having moral status. But there are a range of um, interesting issues going on with abortion. Even if you grant um, that a zygote or fetus has personhood, does that still mean abortion might be morally permitted up to a certain number of weeks? Um, what's the position for the mother? Um, indeed, sorry, a topic that I didn't mention, but we do mention briefly in the in-depth episode. What uh, rights, what say does any father have? Um, and then there's the political issue here of what a state or a country can uh, legislate for. In the second part of uh, the, the in-depth episode, we also talk about uh, end-of-life issues, in particular euthanasia, which is connected with abortion, but maybe uh, raise a number of different issues. So rather than thinking about um, development, where there's one can assume in, um, one hopes, in most cases, there's a positive development from um, a number of cells into a living human being. Often euthanasia with end of life, we're dealing with um, cases where sadly there's been some deterioration. And we think about different types of uh, case where euthanasia might be raised as a moral issue. So somebody might be coming very much to the end of their life where it's medically determined that they have only a few weeks to live and perhaps they're in unbearable pain. And then they ask you, a kind stranger, or a member of their family, or even a medical professional to help end their life. There might be other sorts of case where someone is not at the end of their life in that way, but they have been damaged in some way. Uh, damaged in a, in a very difficult way, which where they see they haven't got um, any chance of living the life that they want to lead and their life has, has really deteriorated greatly. Or perhaps a third sort of case where people, has been, people have been given a medical diagnosis where they know their life is going to deteriorate and perhaps deteriorate rapidly, but they've still got a few years ahead of them. But they've said very clearly they want to end their life now. So they retain all their uh, mental and physical faculties. Um, all sorts of cases, and in fact we talk through a few of those as well with our teachers um, in the discussion, says that actually they go through some role play exercises with their students um, to talk through all these different sorts of cases and get the different reactions of the students. They understand that euthanasia is a, is a general term, but it might apply to a number of different cases. And we talk through the different um, uh, considerations and issues that one might have in this situation. Here are, here are some of them. Um, we focus very much on the on the person, but what about um, the medical professional or the kind stranger that they've asked to perform, um, to, to euthanize them? And perhaps they're a sort of person who they're asking for euthanasia because they can't do it themselves. They haven't got uh, access to the right medication, or perhaps they're physically and mentally unable um, to kill themselves. 
Um, so this isn't a case of suicide, remember, it's a case of euthanasia where someone else is being asked to kill someone. Um, and we raise a kind of interesting issue. So there's all sorts of issues relating to suicide. If someone commits suicide, often it's a, it's a very, very sad, sad event. Um, but if someone's desperate to kill themselves, do we have a duty to help them do that? And it's that question has an extra layer if you're a medical professional, because in your um, medical training, you've normally been taught, one would hope, not to do harm. Um, and when you're asked by someone to do a type of harm, or at least something that's considered to be a type of harm, there's both moral and indeed legal and professional considerations that come to bear. Um, we also think about um, other issues relating to, to euthanasia. There's a, there's a general distinction uh, that we raise. In fact, we start the second part with this general distinction between killing and letting die, uh, which is more broadly thought of as a distinction between acts and omissions. So philosophers will often think that there's a distinction between positively acting and doing something and just allowing something to, to happen anyway. Um, some philosophers think there's a there's a sharp, interesting distinction between those two things. Other philosophers don't at all. Um, so just think about normative ethics that you might have been um, looking at. Um, so consequentialists, or at least quite a few consequentialists, um, think that in the end you can't make a distinction between acts and omissions. I mean, you can, at least in terms of describing the action, but all that matters really are the consequences, the outcomes. Some utilitarians think this. And so saying that um, you acted to kill or you allowed someone to die, um, you can dress it up in different ways, but actually the outcome is the same. And there's a classic case that we talk about due to James Rachel's, but there are lots of other cases as well, um, of wanting to go upstairs um, and killing your nephew in the bath, drowning them. Why would you do that? Because perhaps some family members have died um, and you could inherit if only your horrible, nasty six-year-old nephew dies and no one will know and you just want to go ahead and drown them and you actively kill them. Compare that with a, with a different case where you're going up the stairs, um, perhaps you're just wandering into your bedroom and you hear you, that your nephew is in trouble in the bath uh, and you decide not to help them. How is that different? Some people say there's no difference at all. In the end, the nephew dies, you inherit. Some people say there is a profound moral difference between that because the intentions were, were very different. Um, and this may pertain to some euthanasia cases, may not in all the cases. Um, certainly in some euthanasia cases, some uh, people who, uh, some professionals, medical professionals who've been in this situation do have to make a decision between offering uh, a dose of medicine that will actually kill people and be a lethal injection, or perhaps um, giving some pain relief, uh, which is necessary to, to stop the pain that someone might be experiencing, but which may, uh, in the medical professional's eyes, may well uh, cause that person to die earlier. And the question is, there are you killing them or are you uh, into doing something which is an act of mercy? Now, there are all sorts of medical rules and legal rules around this. We were thinking about this in the, in the moral seminar room. Is there any moral distinction here between those two sorts of action? Um, and uh, does that then, should have that then have a legal and professional implication?
So lots of things going on in that euthanasia uh, discussion, lots of things going on in euthanasia in general. So we're talking about abortion euthanasia, which are kind of classic um, topics to be discussed in applied ethics, and, and two, two of the most famous that we always get philosophy students and, and the medical professionals to, to, to discuss. There's a third um, discussion that we have, which I've mentioned already in part three, called simulated killing, and that's in the AQA specification. Um, and uh, we thought we'd bring this in because it provides an interesting contrast. So we're talking about cases where perhaps you're in video games and there's lots of killings going on. Perhaps it's a zombie game or a war game. Um, perhaps you're reading novels or watching films and a character dies and perhaps a character is killed. Perhaps you're an author of a novel or a play and you've killed a character. <laughs> What's going on there? So literally you haven't killed anyone. So we're not talking about issues around... Um, abortion euthanasia or anything like that. But even so, it raises some profound issues. And indeed, it raises some interesting issues around personhood. What does it take for someone to be a person? After all, there might be some characters that have profound social networks and are thought about in certain ways. Um, in very sophisticated video games now, um, people, and perhaps you listening to this, um, take a long time in creating a character, having been given some, some uh, basic ideas that, from the game. And then you end up killing them. So you haven't literally killed a person. But have you uh, killed a fictional person? Yes. Or have you fictionally killed a person? Right? There's different ways of understanding it. And however you understand it, um, there's profound questions that arise. Some people feel a real loss having read a novel and, and um, uh, having read of a character who's died. Some people feel a profound loss when they've killed a character in a video game. Perhaps it hangs around with them for a few days. Is it rational to mourn in this way after all there's no one who's really died but there's also another set of issues some really interesting practical issues we talk a lot about this regarding video games so video games now very very sophisticated far more sophisticated than i was a teenager playing lots of video games all the time um, and indeed the army the military are involved with a lot of video games obviously war games zombie games and so on and there's interesting issues here about people being supposedly desensitized to the sort of acts of killing that they're, they're doing uh, and what this does to them in the real world and whether they can even um, see the difference in some cases between the real world and uh, the world of the video game. Um, after all, many controls that people use in drone strikes look just like video game controls now. In fact, the two have been um, developed um, alongside one another. Um, but there's a kind of counter thought as well, because some of these video games are very, very rich, very rich worlds now, far richer than when I was a teenager playing Pac-Man and Ghosts and, and Space Invaders and so on. Very rich worlds. Lots of people um, from universities are involved in creating the worlds and the stories um, that video games uh, producers um, put onto the market every year. And actually exploring worlds and exploring death in these very nuanced, um, multi-layered activity games can raise lots of interesting questions for you, perhaps also uh, mean that you mourn a lot more. And actually then you can think about death uh, in this sort of safe, safer space when people aren't getting killed. Um, in fact, actually, at one point in the part three discussion, we do think about abortion, euthanasia, and think about doctors and virtual reality technology. And in fact, there are huge numbers of medical scenarios 
um, that doctors and other medical professionals are involved in. I'm sure this will get what will increase us in the next few years where doctors are thinking about um, cases of abortion, cases of euthanasia, cases of all sorts of um, uh, tricky uh, and sensitive medical issues, but they're doing it in virtual reality. So in fact, people's literal lives are not at stake, but doctors and other medical professionals are able to practice really and think through some very difficult issues. So we talk through about simulated killing and whether it's just fictional, and even if it's just fictional, what real life um, issues it raises uh, for us. And philosophically, what's going on? Is it rational to mourn uh, a fictional character's death? Um, so we talk about that. So there's loads going on in that in-depth discussion, lots more even uh, going on in the topics, more than we can talk about. But I hope uh, the in-depth episode and this short summary episode gives you um, a sense of what's important and what's going on in topics of abortion, euthanasia, and that interesting contrasting case of simulated killing. So please check out the in-depth episode and check out some of our other episodes in Philosophy Get Schooled. Thanks. Thanks.